0: Jason here with Zion ID. Today's episode is titled Hail, Fire, War, and Volcanic Eruption. Basically, it's a review of the first round of plagues. In Revelation chapter 10, John describes events of the second coming as being in thy mouth, sweet as honey, but when eaten, it shall make thy belly bitter. Two months ago, I did an episode titled Social Unrest. Well, today, riots are erupting from coast to coast. 1,700 protesters have been arrested over the last three days after the murder um, of George Floyd. You had a white cop abusing his authority over a black man. Um, The cause of the dispute was allegedly a $20 counterfeit bill. The White House is on lockdown. Stores... Um, are being looted and burned. Target just announced that they're closing 170 of their stores in 13 states due to these riots. And it's amazing because somehow the pandemic has become yesterday's news, right? It's like no longer even a primary focus. U.S. cities are announcing curfews. Uh, States are activating National Guards. There's scenes of chaos all around. It's really unbelievable um, that people are behaving this way after you know being in lockdown with the pandemic, and you'd think everybody would be humble and love each other, but obviously that's not happening. Well, why isn't it happening? Um, some are speculating that decades of unfairness are now boiling over in the United States in the form of protests, riots, burning buildings, and violence. Minneapolis is on fire, literally, and the unrest has spread to numerous other major cities. At some point, and uh, this is a quote from a Twitter user, at some point you have to wonder if these people are hoping that something like George Floyd will happen so they can do this. Um... Socialists are gathering in Beverly Hills to chant, eat the rich. On the other side of the world over in Hong Kong, um, you know they are having their own riots and their own protests for freedom. Taken together, we have an economic pie that is no longer growing, but is subject to a set of laws and financial predation that guarantee the wealthy receive more than their fair share of what remains. Um, It brings to mind the scripture, if ye are not one, ye are not mine, right? One of the principal laws of the celestial kingdom. Well, the rich are busy gorging. They have granted themselves trillions of dollars of freshly, uh, excuse me, of freshly printed dollars from the U.S. Federal Reserve in order to prop up their fair share of things such as bonds, stocks, and derivatives. Um, What they've been doing leads to the following jarring headlines. First, American billionaires got $434 billion richer during the pandemic. And then on the opposite end, at least 9 million U.S. households with children are not at all confident that they'll be able to afford food next month. There are now 40 million unemployed, over 100,000 dead in the United States because of COVID-19. And our political leaders are not doing a very good job, Um, nor would the opposition political leaders. This is a general statement. They are ill-prepared. They have fooled the electorate and deceived Israel into thinking that they could actually get the job done during these volatile times. Instead of following Jesus and his doctrines, instead of ruling like King Benjamin or King David in a spirit of unity and humility, modern political leaders all across the globe adhere to doctrines of lies, propaganda, collusions, and power grabs, at the expense of their sheep. So yeah, so two months ago, right, we did the, uh, the episode on social unrest. Well, one month ago, we did an episode that was a real-time analysis of the wheat and the tares. The purpose of COVID-19 quarantines has been to separate people, right, from one another in order to flatten the curve or halt contagion uh this doesn't mean that we have to you know suffer in complete isolation, but somehow this event has in fact produced a separation of groups of wheat from groups of tares um, you know there's a lot of forecasts in the scriptures calling for a setting apart between the righteous and the wicked, and certainly, I think we can all agree that that's happening uh today. Jeffrey R. Holland spoke about the purpose of such quarantining, uh, specifically as it pertains to this COVID-19 crisis. In an interview he did with the Church News, I'm going to quote some of his relevant excerpts. Elder Holland said, The continuing and growing COVID-19 pandemic is an opportunity for soul-searching and self-examination, the kind of personal reflection that refines faith, strengthens character, and increases our humility before the Lord. This is a rare time of enforced solitude when we don't have a lot of trivia or superficial busyness distracting us from considering the truly important things in life. Such times invite us to look into our soul and see if we like what we see there. The result is a kind of mandatory Sabbath, A time when we step away from our normal routine, from life as usual, and consider our dependence on God and the blessings from Him we so often take for granted. I'll interject here, you know. I think um, the separation of the wheat and the tares, as we previously discussed, it makes the wheat stronger, and unfortunately, it makes the tares more drawn to wickedness. And maybe those are some of the reasons why we're seeing these episodes of social unrest occur. Back to Elder Holland, quoting a favorite British phrase, he reassured um, his audience that things are going to come right. They are undoubtedly on their way to coming right already. But we owe it to our Father in heaven to be a little more grateful, a little more thankful, and a little more inclined to remember how many problems are resolved because of God, angels, covenant promises, and prayer. Um, Elder Holland talked about the opportunity to respond to trouble and turmoil with even greater faith, uh, which has been documented over and over again in Scripture where the love of God, the sacrifice of Christ, and their many manifestations of mercy are the great constants when we face adversity of one kind or another. The present pandemic presents a precious opportunity to demonstrate faith. Often those opportunities seem rare. In our modern age, we don't have to worry about parting the Red Sea because we have engineers that can build a bridge over it. We need some reminders from time to time that those beautifully engineered bridges can collapse, so to speak. This pandemic is such a collapse. Um, This presents a precious opportunity to demonstrate faith as millions across the world face shelter-in-place orders. Elder Holland noted that the term has both spiritual and physical implications. He said the verses in Psalms 61 verses 1 through 4 summarize the opportunity that Latter-day Saints have to look to the Lord for shelter. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy." I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. That is what shelter, um, that is shelter at its best, Elder Holland said. The Lord is our ultimate shelter, he explained. He is our tower. He lifts us out of troubled waters and places us on the rock of our Redeemer. He covers us with his wings, poetically speaking. Pausing to reflect on this verse of scripture, Elder Holland said quietly, We are always talking about not having enough time to think about such things. Well, we have some time now. Elder Holland said that he is trying to take advantage of his reduced travel schedule by sending notes or making phone calls, doing the unexpected but much appreciated and sometimes truly needed things to brighten someone's day. There is no particular merit in wringing our hands about the visit we cannot make or the face-to-face presence we cannot create, he warned. Let's do the best we can. Latter-day Saints should lead the way in being positive and optimistic, doing the things that they can do and trusting the Lord for the rest. As the Prophet Joseph Smith said in Liberty Jail, "'Let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power,' And then we may stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. That's Doctrine and Covenants one twenty three seventeen. Therefore, let your hearts be comforted concerning Zion, for all flesh is in mine hands. Be still and know that I am God. Zion shall not be moved out of her place. They shall come to their inheritances They and their children with songs of everlasting joy. That's Doctrine and Covenants 101, 16-18. Songs of everlasting joy in the midst of such tribulation? Yes, says Elder Holland, and why not? There is a lot to be joyful about as we refine our faith, trust more in the Lord, and see the miracle of his deliverance the spirit is not blocked by a virus or by national boundaries or by medical forecasts there are gifts from heaven that are not limited by trouble in the land or illness in the air well um seeing the social unrest having experienced covid-19 for a few months um often we've talked in this podcast that um that these are only the beginning Right, That if this truly does represent desolating sickness, then it will be followed by many other plagues. Well, it seems prudent today to discuss some of these other plagues and to discuss specifically the doctrine of what comes next. So that we can be prepared, so that our eyes can be opened, and we can face these things with faith. um, Even if it does cause our belly to be bitter uh, in the experience of it. Let's see, where are we at? Okay, so basically what the scriptures describe is that once desolating sickness has been established to separate the wheat from the tares, then we have um, Adam's earthquakes, then we have the first two trumpets um, to be sounded. Let's go to, I'm not exactly sure which chapter this is in Revelation, Um, I'm assuming it's Revelation chapter 8. So in only six verses, we learn a lot. Starting in verse 3, it says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints, upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Then verse 6 says, And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of the trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea and the third part of the sea became blood. Well, let's talk a little bit about... um, what has been said concerning hail, starting with joseph smith uh, in the history of the church volume 7 he said and now i am prepared to say by the authority of jesus christ that not many years shall pass away before the united states shall present such a scene of bloodshed as has not a parallel in the history of our nation Pestilence, hail, famine, and earthquake will sweep the wicked of this generation from off the face of the land to open and prepare the way for the return of the lost tribes of Israel from the north country. John Taylor said, So, knowing that there are other judgments in store for the whole earth, we will venture a prediction, and um, that shall be storm and hail enough to cause a famine. And show the whole of the earth that Jesus Christ, and not the Mormons, vexes the nation. Watch, for you know not the hour nor the day, and you cannot accuse the Mormons of making hail. So watch for the hail and for the earthquakes, and war shall come and vex all nations. That was from Nauvoo neighbor, August 6th, 1845. Um... President Brigham Young said, When the testimony of the elders ceases to be given, and the Lord says to them, Come home, I will now preach my own sermons to the nations of the earth. All you now know can scarcely be called a preface to the sermon that will be preached with fire and sword, tempests, earthquakes, hail, rain, thunders and lightnings, and fearful destruction. That's from the Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 123. Um, Ezra Tap Benson says in referring to this quote from Brigham Young, Why is the Lord angry with the wicked? Because they have rejected the gospel. What are some of the calamities for which we are to prepare? Well, in Doctrine and Covenants twenty nine, the Lord warns us of a great hailstorm sent forth to destroy the crops of the earth. That's verse sixteen. In DnC 45, we read of an overflowing scourge, for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. That's DnC 45:31. In DnC 63, the Lord declares that He has decreed wars upon the face of the earth. Verse 33. In Matthew chapter 24, we learn of famines and pestilences and earthquakes. Revelation 16:21, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. Revelation 11:19. And the temple, um, and the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in His temple the ark of His testament. And there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. Isaiah 28, 2. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of many waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with the hand. Bruce R. McConkie has a few things to say uh, concerning the hail, the earthquake, the bloodshed, the wars. The volcanic eruptions, he says, Behold, before the Lord comes, the whole earth will be in turmoil. Wars and rumors of wars will spread, death and destruction and disease that will dwarf anything ever known among men. Plagues and pestilence and pain will punish the people to a degree never before known. Men will be cursed physically and spiritually. The flesh of many will fall from their bones and their eyes from their sockets. Earthquakes will destroy many cities and bring death to their municipals. Fire and hail will destroy the crops of the earth. Rivers and seas and deserts and mountains will be contaminated. The waters of the world will be polluted. Famines and poisons and dead bodies will be commonplace. No tongue can tell the desolations and sorrows that are yet to be, all of which will be climaxed by the burning of the vineyard, at which time every corruptible thing will be consumed there is something in the doctrine and covenants which says and there shall be a great hailstorm sent forth to destroy the crops of the earth i said hail what are you going to do when that happens ah brothers and sisters put your two dollars and ninety cents in your welfare project And when that happens, and if you have your year's supply of food in your home, let the hails come, and the winds blow, and our storehouses in our homes, in our wards, and in our stakes will be full, just as they were in the days of Joseph, and we will be preserved. I like that plan. What good will be our greenbacks, Um, what we get from the government for security when all the crops of the earth are destroyed by hail? of the nation that shall rise to fight this people in that day the lord says and i will plead against him with pestilence and with blood and i will rain upon him and upon his and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones fire and brimstone as it says in ezekiel 38:22 by these means a third of all the trees and green grass on earth are to be destroyed the plague of hail and fire rained upon Pharaoh's Egypt in the days of the deliverance of Israel from bondage was perhaps symbolical of this greater deliverance of the Lord's people by the forces of nature in the latter days. That's Exodus nine twenty-two through 26 that he's referencing. Unbelievable upheavals of nature and the unloosing of near unlimited power shall bring to pass the destruction of a third part of all life in and on the oceans of the world. That's Jeremiah 51.25, Amos 7.4. Perhaps the turning of the waters of Egypt to blood was in similitude of this great latter-day plague. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth. Is this the overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone of which Ezekiel spoke in Ezekiel 38:22? Could all this be brought to pass through atomic warfare or will it come by natural disasters as when God rained fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah? Speculatively, Most of the plagues and destructions here announced could be brought to pass by men themselves as they use the weapons and armaments they have created. Um, I think we've seen that with COVID-19. I think the evidence is overwhelming that it came from a lab and it spread as a contagion throughout the earth. Um, Perhaps this... You know, speculation by Bruce R. McConkey is true that many of these plagues and destructions could be brought to pass by men themselves, but also some of them will come from the Lord. Uh, let's close again in the name of preparation, uh, not in the name of fear mongering, but simply understanding the doctrine, knowing what lies in front of us. Um, the second angel sounds his trumpet and it causes a volcanic eruption. Well, there was an article back in 2014 published by Vox that said what would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano actually erupted? You know, I think Yellowstone has been mildly active for some time. Even in the last week, I've read new reports of hundreds of swarms of earthquakes occurring in Yellowstone. Well, the article says... Lurking beneath Yellowstone National Park is a reservoir of hot magma five miles deep, fed by a gigantic plume of molten rock, welling up from hundreds of miles below. That heat is responsible for many of the park's famous geysers and hot springs. And as magma rises up into the chambers and cools, the ground above periodically rises and falls. On rare occasions throughout history, that magma chamber has erupted. The vast, vast majority of those eruptions in Yellowstone have been smaller lava flows. Uh, The last one happened some 70,000 years ago. The reason why Yellowstone gets so much attention is because of this remote possibility of a catastrophic super eruption. A super-eruption is anything that measures magnitude 8 or more on the volcano um, explosivity index. Um, These super-eruptions are thousands of times more powerful than even the biggest eruptions that we're used to seeing uh, during our lifetime. Yellowstone has had three of these massive eruptions in its history. 2.1 2.1 million years ago, 1.3 million years ago, and 664,000 years ago. Um, it's worth noting that Yellowstone is hardly the only supervolcano out there. Geologists have found evidence of at least 47 super eruptions in Earth's history. The most recent occurred in New Zealand's Lake Tapo some 26,000 years ago. So what exactly would a Yellowstone eruption look like? The most likely eruption scenario in Yellowstone is a smaller event that produces lava flows um, that's typical of other volcanic explosions. Um, This would likely be precipitated by a swarm of earthquakes in a specific region of the park as the magma makes its way to the surface. Now in the unlikely event of a much bigger super-eruption, the warning signs would be much bigger. We'd likely first see intense seismic activity across the entire park. It could take weeks or months for those earthquakes to break up the rocks above the magma before an eruption. So if we did get a super-eruption, an event that is 1,000 times more powerful than a regular volcanic eruption, and lasted weeks and months, what would happen? Well. The lava flows themselves, Um, let's see, let's read here. Uh, The main damage would come from volcanic ash, a combination of splintered rock and glass that was ejected miles into the air and scattered around the whole country. Um, A super eruption could conceivably bury the northern Rockies in three feet of ash devastating large swaths of Wyoming, Idaho, Colorado, Montana, and Utah. Meanwhile, the Midwest would get a few inches of ash, while both coasts would see even smaller amounts. The exact distribution would depend on the time of year and weather patterns. Um, Any of these scenarios would be terrible news. This much volcanic ash is capable of killing people, plants, And animals and crushing buildings, even a few inches of ash, um, can destroy farms, clog roadways, cause serious respiratory problems, block sewer lines, and even short out transformers. Air travel would have to shut down across much of North America. A volcanic eruption that big would also have major impacts on the global climate. Volcanoes can emit sulfur aerosols that reflect sunlight back into the atmosphere to cool the climate. These particles are short-lived in the atmosphere, so the effect is only temporary, but it can be dramatic. Um, Let's see, this article kind of repeats itself often, so I'm trying to avoid uh, the repeats. Let's see if there's anything else worth reading. Um, The U.S. Geological Survey has an excellent FAQ on the Yellowstone Supervolcano. Um, They also have a great rundown on the most recent uh, paper modeling of what would happen under a super eruption. Um, They list a bunch of things from the New York Times, the New Yorker, Um, I don't think there's anything more worth quoting. So look, in summary, um, I really loved that talk or that interview by Jeffrey R. Holland because he talks about how we can actually increase faith and how the Lord will be there to protect us even in the midst of these events leading up to Jesus' second coming. And Zion will not be left alone. Right? He's there to sustain us, to protect us, if we heed the voice of warning and if we heed the voice urging us to prepare. So, you know, what was it in uh, Revelation 10? John describes the events of the second coming as being in thy mouth sweet as honey. I mean, there are parts that are so sweet. Knowing that Jesus is coming back to reign as King of Kings. And part of the, it seems like the law of the universe is that there's opposition in all things, right? That's what actually gives meaning. And so with that sweetness of the second coming, there's also the part that's going to make our bellies bitter. But the more we can be prepared, the more we can help um, ourselves as individuals, our families, our friends, our neighbors... Um, I truly believe that we'll be able to get through anything and that the Lord will not abandon his people.